All right, everyone, we're going to get started. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, we've already gone over this passage, uh, but, but Pastor Scott asked me to, to give this message again because it's such an important message for our time, for our generation. Um, it's, it's very important for, for what's going on in the world today, uh, the, the things that culture is trying to pull. Um, and uh, this is one of the most debated passages among Christians. It's a very interesting passage. Uh, lots of different opinions on how to interpret this passage. Um, it's, a, it's the passage about women wearing head coverings. Uh, now, we're actually not going to focus too much on that because I think it's actually an issue um, with uh, an underlying issue that he's addressing, right? So there's a specific instance of something happening, and then he's addressing a heart issue, all right? And it's very important for us to remember in our lives that uh, while we may do some action or someone may do uh, something that we may consider sinful, our intentions in doing something matter just as much as what we're actually doing. And so um, when, when he starts talking about head coverings, he's, he, remember the intention. He's, he's evaluating intention in a lot of this. There is a tradition, but he's evaluating an intention. Uh, and so uh, we're going to be talking about gender roles, and we're going to be talking about authority. And that's the main thing that we're going to be talking about. We will hit on some head covering uh, stuff as well, but main, main themes are gender roles and authority. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and then uh, we're going we're gonna to read this passage. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us here to hear your word and to learn about your word and to understand who we are in your world, that it is your world and that we are under authority. And Father, I pray that you would teach us what it means to be godly men and what it means to be uh, a godly woman, and that we would respect those, the, the way that you've created our genders, and that um, we would submit to that authority and, and submit to all the authority that you have placed in our life and be obedient uh, children of God. Uh, we love you, Father. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright, so it's going to be 1 Corinthians 11, and we're reading verses 1 through 16. And you guys can follow on the screen or in your Bible. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Now that's, that's part of the chapter, but I think it's actually more connected to something in chapter 10. For context, he, he had just been talking about food sacrifice to idols, and so he's saying things that we may have a right to do, but we may not actually do for the sake of of our, other, of our brothers and sisters in Christ. There may be things that they think are sinful that we don't partake in, not for our sake, but for theirs. And so he's saying, think about your brothers, and that's what he's doing. That's why he says, imitate me, as I also imitate Christ. Uh, and, and I think some people have read this verse as, you know, Paul is very bold, but, but I would just say, if you cannot say to someone younger in the faith, you, you cannot give them that command to imitate you. If, you're, if you think if they imitated you, they'd be being sinful, that you, you'd be scared to give that command, then I think it's time for you to change. I don't think it's a bold claim on Paul. I think he's being obedient, and I think we should all be able to make that claim to younger Christians in the faith. All right, so then moving on to, to this actual topic. Now, I praise you because you remember me in everything, 
and hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off and her head shaved, let her head be covered. A man should not cover his head because he is the image and glory of God. So too woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. Neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. In the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. For just as woman came from man, so man comes through woman, and all things come from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has, hair, has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom, nor do the churches of God. All right, so back at the, the first three verses, okay? So he says, Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold fast to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Okay, so he's talking about something that they are doing specifically in church, right? Um, and so he's, he's handed out, um, taught out a, a liturgy, a way that the church should function, right? Because this is, this is taking place in Corinth. It's not an ethnically Jewish place. They didn't have the gospel until Paul came. And so this, the faith is new. They had to learn how to be Christians, right? And so Paul is, is teaching them how to worship when he's there. All right, and so he's saying, you know, and everything that you do, you remember all the traditions, but then there's this but, and so there's one thing that they're maybe doing that is not holding to the traditions that he handed down to them, and it has to do with this issue, right? And so this is why I say the main issue is not head coverings, it's uh, gender roles and authority. Because he doesn't say you hold fast to the traditions, but your women don't wear head coverings. He says, but I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man, and man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Alright, so, and in this passage, he's going to use that word head uh, in two different ways. One is going to be literally the head on a body, and then the other is a symbolical head, uh, authority, someone who is over someone in authority. Okay, so physical head, you, you, you all have heads, right? And then we all have authorities in our lives, right? So that is the main thing he's talking about is that Christ is the head of every man, man is the head of woman, and God is the head of Christ. And so what we have here is what's called a hierarchy. And, and you cannot escape from the hierarchy. No matter how much you rebel, God has placed authority in our lives, and that authority is there for a purpose. Um, 
And, and the main purpose is that God gets glory. That's the main purpose. But also, in a practical sense, authority is there in your life to protect you from foolish decisions, to protect you from harming yourself or from other people harming you, and for your benefit, to, to bless you, to make you happy, to make you fulfilled, and to enjoy the world that God has created for God's glory. So, God has made a hierarchy. He has made a, a chain of authority. That's what hierarchy is. So like, you know, you, your children and your parents are above you, and they have people above them, and they have people abo- above them, all the way to God, who is at the top and is, is in charge of everything. He is the head of all things, uh, as, as we can read in Colossians. All right, so here's the practical instance that he's addressing that people are using to disobey the hierarchy, to disobey these this, what he's going to call a symbol of authority. So he says, Every man who prays or prophesies with something on his head dishonors his head. Okay, so that we see the word head again, and then in this sentence it's used in two different ways. So there's the physical head. Okay, and when he says dishonors his head, he doesn't mean dishonors his physical head. He means that he's dishonoring Christ. Because we know who his head is back here. That Christ is the head of every man. All right, so what he's saying is that when a man prays or prophesies with something on his head, he's dishonoring Christ. All right, and we'll get to the reason for that uh, in a minute. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, so it's the opposite for her, dishonors her head. And her head, as we said in the, in the page before, is man, is her husband. Um, all right. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her husband, since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman doesn't cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. But if it is disgraceful for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, let her head be covered. Okay. So first thing to notice here is there's a specific time that, it, that you should or should not have a head covering, depending on your gender. Uh, and it's when you're praying or prophesying. So this is something in the church. He's not talking about your, the daily lives. He's talking about church structure. Okay. And so when, when Pastor Scott goes to pray up at the end of the day, he's saying, hey, he shouldn't have a head covering because it's dishonoring Christ. All right? And so here's the reason for that. All right? Here's the reason is that man was made by God. We, we can go back to Genesis, and man was made first, and, and, and Paul will address this, and man was made to be the leader. All right? If you think about your body, all right, because in this analogy, he's using your physical body to help you understand authority. In your body, all right, you have all sorts of body parts, but the thing that's in charge of your body is your head. All right? And we wear clothes that cover up all the parts of our body and they should be a frame for our face because really we, when, whenever we are talking to someone, we should make eye contact, right? Our head is the symbolic head of our body. It is, it's what's in charge, okay? And so man is made to be seen and to be the leader in the church, in society, in all of God's created order because God made man first and made him to be over all of creation, Okay? And, and woman's role is to be a helper. Right? You, read, you read Genesis, when, when God makes Eve, He fashions her from Adam's rib, um, and before He does it, He says, I will make a helper 
fit for him. A helper fit for him. He doesn't say, I'm going to make another leader. He says, I'll make a helper fit for him. So Adam has a role as leader, and the woman's role is to come alongside him. She's even taken from his side, and she comes alongside him and helps him in his role as as leader. Okay? Um, Now, there is some cultural things here. So in this next verse, he says, uh, She dishonors that since that is one and the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she should have her hair cut off. Okay? So, so here's, the, here's the reason that it's a heart issue, all right? Is as this tradition was there, and, we, and there, there are interpretations as to whether or not we should still have head coverings, but at least in this time, it was church tradition that men should have their heads uncovered and women should, uh, should have their heads covered. And so there were women in the church that were refusing to cover their heads, okay? And so it's not so much about the head covering as it was about the fact that they had a symbol of authority and they were refusing to put it on. They had something that showed the world, hey, I respect my husband, and they didn't want the world to see that, okay? And that is shameful. And so in that culture as well, uh, and I think even in this culture, even though it's pretty popular now, um, it's disgraceful for a woman to have her hair shaved. All right, There is even a punishment in this time period where if a woman was wanton or rebellious, she'd be taken before the tribunal, and the, her punishment would be that she has her head shaved so that all the world would see this is a rebellious woman. All right? And we don't have honor and shame society like, like back then. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't care as much about what people think anymore, uh, and... and and we probably should, for about certain things, we should care about how society views us. Not, at, not if we're doing something right and they hate us, but if we're doing something wrong and society recognizes that we're doing something wrong, we should be ashamed. All right? And so that was the idea is, this woman is doing something wrong, everyone should see it, and she should be ashamed, and so she should want to change, and then all the women around the world that would see her would also be encouraged, I don't want to feel that shame. And so I'm going to respect my husband. You can actually see this in the book of Esther. All right? The queen before Esther disrespects her husband. And so she's removed from being queen because all the men say, hey, if you let her show you a sign of disrespect, that's what's going to be the norm. All the women are going to be disrespecting their husbands. So put her away so that you, so you can send a message to all of the society that women are not supposed to disrespect their husbands. Right? And he made a good call um, by doing that. Okay? So there was a huge cultural thing, and it still is a cultural thing. Um, if you notice, you know, in the alphabet people, uh, one of the first things that a, a woman does when she wants to show that she is making a change in her life, that she's wanting to uh, stick it to the man, is she shaves her hair off. Right? She, she, gets a, she gets a boy haircut, right? and, and I would call it a boy haircut because typically that's the haircut that boys have. They get short hair, and that's a sign. It's still a sign. It's not just back, back 2,000 years ago. It's still a sign of rebellion, and they do it on purpose, and that's what they want to do, all right? and so that's a sign of rebellion. All right? and, then, and then even more proof that it's not just a cultural 2,000 years ago, you guys can look this up. It's called the Easter Bonnet Rebellion, which is a funny name for a rebellion. 
but it but it existed, and it was like a hundred years ago. This is around the time that that uh, women's suffrage was was happening, and women were being empowered, and the first wave of feminism uh, was in the was in America, and up until that time, all women all women wore head coverings to church. Um, at least on Easter, uh, they wore bonnets. I mean, if you, if you like watch Little House on the Prairie, all the women had head coverings all the time, right? So it's not, like, it's not like America has never had head coverings. And so at the Easter Bonnet Rebellion, all these women were like, hey, we're not wearing our Easter bonnets anymore. It's a sign that we're under authority and we don't like it. Okay, and so they recognized this is a sign that we're under authority and we don't like being under authority. We're going to rebel against that by throwing off our Easter bonnets and sticking it to the man in, in, in this first wave of feminism, okay? So uh, that is in, in our culture as well, not just the Corinthian culture, okay? So, so here's his reasoning. A man should not cover his head because he is the image and glory of God. So too, woman is the glory of man. So there's this word glory, and we actually just talked about uh, glory and grow a little bit. And uh, I actually defined glory for, for my students as... Uh, something worth beholding, something worth looking at, that when, when we see God, it's worth looking at Him. And, and something so worth looking at that when we see it, we want others to look as well. And I said, you know, if you guys see a really pretty sunset, you don't just look at it, you tell whoever's with you to look at it as well. Right? And so that's, that's, what, that's what I'm saying about God, is whenever we see God, especially as Christians, we don't just become Christians and then that's good. We're seeing the glory. We want other people to see this beauty as well. All right? And so God has made mankind to be the glory, something worth looking at that reflects his, his glory in a very unique way, a way specific to man. All right? And he has created woman to glorify her husband, and not for her husband's sake, but, but her husband, again, is, is representing the glory of God. And so it's all for God to get the glory. It's not woman is subjugated so that man is lifted up. It's that all these things are working together so that God is getting the glory. Okay? And so, so I'm going to ponder here and talk about a, a concept called, called complementarianism. Right? And that's what we would, we would hold to. There's lots of different views as to... Uh, what, what roles do men and women play in society? And we would take a complementarian view, and that is that men and women are created, and they're equal in, uh, they're equal in dignity. They're equal in uh, their, their, the, the respect of their nature. They're both created in the image of God, okay? But they have different roles, and they work together in a complementary way. They complement each other. And in order to accomplish tasks that God has given to them both, which is to rule the world in a way that glorifies him. All right. And so for the main thing that we see this in is the family. Okay. If you look around society right now, if you look at poor parts of society, societies where there's gangs and and crime, it's not about race. It's about the fact that there's no family structure. Because it's become okay for women to rebel against their husbands and then husbands to leave. And so you have neither gender operating in the way that they should be in order to raise a healthy family. And so the children suffer. 
And, and you can, I mean, there's tons of studies out there about how much more likely a child is to end up in prison if they don't have a father. Uh, and I actually heard that women are more likely to, uh, they start puberty sooner and, and are more likely to engage in sexual activity if they don't have a father in their house, which is, is a biological response to not having a, a man in your house, which is amazing, but you know, it shouldn't surprise us because God has made us biologically to function in specific ways. All right, and so the husband and the wife work together, and you cannot have a healthy family without both a, a father and a mother, right? And we don't live in a perfect world, all right? We, we don't, you know, there, there are things that happen, you know, people die even, uh, and, and you could have had a loving father or a loving mother, and, and they, they were taken from you, and, and you don't have that, and, and, and you can look to men in your church, and they can help fulfill that 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 father role, all right? But ideally, in an ideal world, uh, every family should have a father and a mother. The father leading the family and the mother nurturing and caring, and she has a role in that family, okay? So God, God has made us uh, to fulfill roles, all right? And so uh, here we see some, some biblical arguments for that. So he says, for man did not come from woman, all right? So when, when he's talking about man not coming from woman, he's referring to Adam right here. Adam did not come from a woman. He's, but he's the only one. Everyone else came from a woman. Even Jesus all right, came from a woman, at least in a, in his, in a human sense. All right? But woman came from man. And now that's only true of Eve uh, in the sense of you know, where you were born from, but you do need a man to, to make more women. Uh, and so... Man did not come from woman. God made, God made Adam. Right? He fashioned him from the dust, and he made man. Uh, and then God made woman as well. It, man didn't make woman. That, that's important to note, that man did not make women. God made women from man, all right? and, and there's a reason for that. Uh, neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. This is why a woman should have a symbol of authority. So here's the thing. That's the tradition. All right? It's less about the head covering and more about a symbol of authority being on her head. That, that she's saying, hey, I respect my husband and I want the world to know. Uh, and, and, and in this culture, the, the culture tries to shame women for being feminine. And I will tell you, it is a feminine quality to respect your husband. And that's a good thing. It's a feminine quality to respect your father. All right, because a lot of you guys aren't married, but you have a man in your life that is in charge of you, and it is a feminine quality to respect your father. It is a feminine quality to respect your husband, and the world tries to, to shame women for being women. All right, you're allowed to be a woman. I'm going to go ahead and give you permission. So if, you, if anyone ever you know, questions you to say, hey, Joshua Haskell gave me permission to be a woman, okay? You have permission to be women. You have permission to be feminine, all right? And you don't need my permission because you, you have a command to be feminine, to be a woman. You don't have to be independent, and in fact, you shouldn't, and, he, and he's going to use that word independent. You don't have to, you know, 
make it out on the world on your own. You don't have to raise children on your own, and you shouldn't. You were made to fulfill a role and be part of a whole. Okay? And, and man, you are also not created to be independent. God said it's not good for man to be alone. He created you in a society, and you have a role in that society. And a lot of society is hurting because men do not take up the charge and fulfill their roles. Now, also, society doesn't want men to fulfill those roles. It hates it. It, calls, it makes up words like toxic masculinity, when really what it means is that they think masculinity is toxic. And I'm telling you, it's not. You have permission to be a man. And all of you, I would say, are men. You're young men. You're not, you're not children. All, all of you guys in this room, you're not children. You're young men. And it's time to act like a man, to take responsibility, to look like a man. All right. Uh, so he says, this is why the woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angel. This is another interesting part, and we won't get too far into it. Um, there's uh, debates as to whether or not it's actual spiritual beings or that word angel is often translated messenger. So it could be a human messenger. I do think it's... it's spiritual beings, but I think what it's saying is that God's angels are watching the way that we do worship. Because again, it's talking about worship. God's angels are watching the way we do worship, and, and they're looking at the way that, that we honor God, and they, they're talking to God. You know, it, it says it in Job, it says it in, there's some Psalms, all right, uh, that they, you know, bring up a report. Uh, I actually think it's referencing uh, back when God is about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he says he's going to go down and see if it's true, the message that he's been receiving about Sodom and Gomorrah. And these angels uh, are reporting to him what Sodom and Gomorrah is doing, which is also a, a, a huge perversion of gender roles. Uh, it's not about, it wasn't about hospitality. I mean, what they were doing was inhospitable. But that's not what it was about. Sodom and Gomorrah was about homosexuality and, re and refusing to act in the way that God had created man and woman to be. And so God destroyed them. Okay? So I think what it's saying is, hey, God, people, at, at the very least, people are watching, because angels are people. They're not human people, but they are people. People are watching the way that we live. And it's saying something about the God that we worship. And we want to be behaving in a way that God is going to be pleased with, that people will see and say, glory to God. I love the way that he created this place. I love the way that these people are being obedient to the Lord. And, and they can praise God because of our obedience. All right? Uh, and so then here's, here's some qualifiers. He says, in the Lord, however, woman is not independent of man, and man is not independent of woman. So there's this word independent. I remember when I was in high school, I don't remember who it was, like Nellie or Fergie, someone who likes to spell in their songs, but the song Independent came out and they spelled out the word independent. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N. They wanted to show they could spell. Uh, so there's this whole song. It was like, I don't need no man. I, and in those words, I don't need no man. Uh, I, don't, I don't need anyone in my life. I don't need authority. Um, I can do this all by myself. What is the song called? Independent. Independent. Yeah. All right. So. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that it was a bad song. Um, so. And this, there's still songs like these today. I just remember that particular song. There are songs 
all throughout here that, you know, there's songs about that men sing about how they degrade women and, and how they refuse to accept their role as protector and provider. All right, that's something a man should do. Uh, a man should protect women. All right, and then women, their role is to nurture their children, to help their husband. All right, and what it says, I'm not just saying that women are, are to, to be dependent on men. I'm saying uh, man is not independent of woman. All right, we work together. You need, in a healthy family, in a society, society cannot function without men and women working together. Okay, and that's why a lot our, our society is starting to fail, is because men and women are not working together in the way that they were created to work for God's glory. And, and there's tons of studies on this, that every society that's failed, Greek society, Roman society, and now our society, they become obsessed with gender and perverting gender, and then their society fails. Because God has made man and women, men and women, to function together for a purpose. Okay? For just as women came, women, woman came from man, using plural and singular so many, so many times. For just as woman came from man, so man comes through woman. And here's the kicker. Here's, here's the one that puts us all in our place. Okay? All things come from God. Okay? If you are trying to save society without God and you're trying to promote gender roles without God, it all falls apart. Because, you know, people like Jordan Peterson or, you know, Ben Shapiro, like they have some biblical, you know, basis. They, they, they know that men should be leading and they know that women should follow, but they don't have this last part to the glory of God. And so it really does end up seeming to the world that they're trying to lift up men and put women down. Okay? And so it has to have God in, in, as, the, as the complete head. If you're missing that part, it all falls apart because he is part of this societal structure, this hierarchical structure that he has put in place. And if you, if you just try to make a woman submit and say, hey, you need to submit without any reasoning, well, then, yeah, you're, you're a masochist. You're, you're a chauvinist. Okay? Uh, women have a right to want to rebel against you because you're being a jerk. Okay? But it's part of God's plan, not man's plan. It's not man exalting himself over woman. It's God. God has ordained this. God has set up this structure, and it's for a purpose. And men have a, have a purpose in it, and women have a purpose. That's holy and good and should be pursued. It's holy and good. All right? Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. There's that word glory again. For her hair is given to her. And that's cool too because, you know, we just think that we do everything and hair is just, you know, something that we have natural. It's given to you. There's God again. Who, who gives us all things? God. For hair, her hair is given to her as a covering according to God's design. If anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom, nor do the churches of God. All right, so... Uh, he's just making a, an obvious argument. He's just saying, hey, we already act like this without even talking about it. Men typically grow short hair and women typically grow long hair. And for a man to have long hair, you think, oh, why has he got long hair? Some people laugh at him, make fun of him, 
right? It's a, it's a disgrace to him, all right? And then for women, long, for them, long hair is like, you know, they're like waving it around, they're curling it, straightening it, like all of, most of their morning routine is like having to do with their hair. It's their glory. God has given it to them to make them beautiful, all right? And women are beautiful, and that's part of God's design. And for a woman to rebel against that, is to rebel against God, uh, to cut off her hair, all right? And so he's just making a natural argument, okay? So uh, talking a little bit more about hierarchy, I made you guys this uh, triangle. It's not a pyramid because it's, it's 2D, um, but it's a triangle. Uh, so this is who's in charge, right? God is in charge, all right? And I want to point out that even within the Trinity, we see submission. The Son submits to the Father, all right, and Scripture talks about this in the New Testament. talks about it in the Old Testament, actually. It says that, he, that, the, that the Father will discipline the Son, and that the Son will learn, uh, learn to uh, obey the Father. Jesus says multiple times, I can't do anything without my Father's authority. He, he's the one who, who has told me to do this, and I, I do what He tells me to. Now, the Son is equal in divinity, Right? There's no, there's no diminishing of, of the Son's glory. There's no diminishing of His, of his divinity, of His Godness. All right? Jesus is God. He should be worshipped. He's over all. But for, for, for a purpose, He has submitted Himself to the Father. For, for, for a purpose. All right? And the Spirit submits to both. All right? And it's all so that God gets the glory. All right, the Spirit is glorifying the Son. The Father even glorifies the Son, but the Son obeys the Father. And it's all so that this Trinity is working together in love and, and holiness and, and they're having a good relationship and they're accomplishing all that they want to do. Um, and, and no one is slighted, no one's put down, no one's subjugated. They submit to one another, they glorify one another, they complement one each other. It's the perfect relationship. Literally, it is the perfect relationship. And so if, when you read Scripture, uh, you see that this, this relationship is supposed to be mirrored in our relationships on earth between a husband and a wife. Right? And then in mankind, so this is all humans, not just, not just men. All right? So there's government and church leadership, and I'm okay if you switch, swap those back and forth. We would say that we, we obey the government in as far as they give us commands and laws that respect God's commands and laws. And, and when the, whenever they do things that go against God, we obey God because he's the higher authority there. Okay? All right? And the same thing with church leadership, all right? Because, because we're, we're not perfect. This, after you get to this line, there's the perfection ceases. All right? There's no perfect government. There's no perfect church leadership. There's no perfect men. There's no perfect women. And there are no perfect children. Okay, all right. So you obey the authority above you in as far as they are submitting to God's authority, and then when they don't, you disobey them respectfully. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, I, I love this because a lot of people are saying you know Christians should just rebel against the government and, and just shoot everybody and kill everybody. Uh, I say no, uh, don't do that. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they disobey the king's command to worship false gods, and he says to them, hey, if you don't bow down and worship me, or this idol, um, 
I'm going to throw you in the fire. And they, their response is very interesting. They don't fight back. They say, do what you got to do. And, and they are, are actually being obedient and rebelling at the same time. Because they say, we're going to obey God, but we recognize that you have a right to punish us by God. So we're going to obey God, and we'll even obey you by going into the furnace. We can do that. We can obey you in that. All right? And so, so we, we do not just rebel for rebellion's sake. That's, that's never the part of the Christian's MO. Okay? All right? And the same thing for church leadership. And, and, and church leadership are men that are trying to, for the most part, trying to obey the Lord. All right? there, there are some, some people that get in church leadership um, that shouldn't be. And that's unfortunate in... Um, and uh, you shouldn't obey them, but, uh, but you still do it respectfully, all right? And then even in the ones that are not perfect, you know, Pastor Scott, he's not perfect. Pastor, Scrit, Pastor, Pastor Chris, he's not perfect, all right? If he does something wrong, have a conversation with him. It doesn't mean you leave a church because you think the pastor does something wrong. He's not perfect. He, he's not going to be perfect. You won't find a perfect church. Have a conversation with him respectfully. Say, hey, can you explain to me why we're doing this? Because I don't understand. I, I, it seems wrong to me. All right. And then the same thing, you know, for, for women, if you have a husband, a father, all right, your husband, he's not going to be perfect. You're called to respect him anyways. All right. You're called to respect him anyways. There's, there's a passage um, where I believe it's Paul talking about women who are married to unbelievers. So they would have, in, 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 this, in this situation, they would have been married, and then the woman would have gotten saved. And they're saying, hey, should I divorce my husband? Should I leave him? And he says, no, as long as he consents to live with you, you live with him because you might save him. All right? and, then in, and then I think it's First Peter, he says, uh, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. And so Paul is telling Christians to res- Christian women to honor and respect their non-Christian husbands to do everything that they can to honor them, and by doing so, show them the divine role of womanhood, and maybe they'll repent. They'll see the glory, because it is glorious to see a woman being feminine, and they'll see that glory, and maybe they'll repent and believe in the gospel. Okay? And then, uh, under, under women are children, right? And so that's most of you guys in this room. And so here's a really good command. It's, the, it's one of the commandments. Uh, Honor your father and mother, all right? And I'll, I'll tell you, your parents are not perfect. I know some of them, and I know they're not perfect, all right? But you have a command to honor them, to respect them. And, and in, 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 in many cultures, not just Jewish cultures, um, there was a law. And it said that if your child was being a, a rebel, bring him before the, the assembly and condemn him, and we'll all stone them. They'll kill them. Right? And so this, that's how seriously God takes, one, respect in general but the, and, and, and hierarchy, but how, how serious he takes respecting and honoring your father and your mother. It's, it's a death sentence to disrespect your, your father and your mother. It's serious. Honor and respect your parents. Okay? And then this is in Genesis. We see that God puts man over all of physical creation over nature. And what's really interesting is at the fall, we see 
a snake, part of the physical creation of nature, tell a woman what to do, and the woman tells the, the man what to do, and then the man accuses God. All right? And so we see God's structure completely flipped. All right? And so that's what happens when you flip the structure, is sin and every terrible thing that we have in this world is because mankind and even nature has refused to obey God's written structure. He's in charge. He says, he says what's up. And it's His way or the highway. All right? We obey, and we obey in a good heart. Right? That's, that is God's hierarchy. All right, so some key points just to, uh, just to summarize. Uh, gender roles. Man's role as head. The woman's role as a helper. Um, and then, oh, I forgot to say this point, so it's a good thing I put this here. Uh, when he talks about uh, women cutting off their hair, he's saying, hey, if you aren't going to act like a woman, you might as well not look like a woman. And that's, that's supposed to shame them into, into acting like, a, like, like women, right? So if, if a woman is going to refuse to have a symbol of authority on her head, then what's the point of her even looking like a woman? And that's what the culture's doing now. They're saying, I don't want to be like a woman, and I don't want to look like a woman either. And they're mutilating their bodies and destroying themselves to get no happiness. I, I guarantee you, there's no happiness from that. It's, it is a pit. All right, and then authority. All are under authority. Everyone is under authority. Men are under God's authority. Even Christ submits to the Father's authority. And then woman is under the authority of men. All right, so I'm just going to read two more passages. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. And this is, uh, I, this is one of my favorite verses right here. I think it's so good because, you know, when we talk about, we're talking about women, we're talking about women wearing clothing to represent the fact that they have authority over the head. All right. And so modesty is, is, a, is, a, is an issue here. Okay. And so he's addressing it. And here's what he says. Let your adorning. All right. And so a lot of people hear the word modesty and they think they're telling women not to be beautiful. No, that's, that's not what modesty is. Let your adorning make yourself beautiful with the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty. All right? Beauty doesn't last forever, but there's an imperishable beauty that's feminine of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. All right, women, you should memorize this verse. You should try to be beautiful, women. And you should try to be beautiful, first of all, with a beautiful character. With a beautiful character, all right? With the, uh, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, all right? And so you're not flaunting your beauty out. You're letting your beauty be hidden in your heart with a good character of a gentle and quiet spirit. And if you guys... No, my wife, that's why I married her. That's what, that's what she has. She has a gentle and quiet spirit, and she's lovely. It's beautiful. All right? Whenever we get old, and we'll both be really wrinkly, and, you know, our looks are going to fade, my wife will still be beautiful. 
because she has a gentle and quiet spirit. She's put on the imperishable beauty of that gentle and quiet spirit. All right? And he references Sarah, who has this gentle and quiet spirit. She obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. So equivalent was, was she told her husband, yes, sir. She told her husband, yes, sir, when he said to do things. Just imagine how counterculture that is right now. All right? The, the, if, if the world saw a woman saying yes, sir, to her husband, they would immediately think, wow, he's exercising such authority over you. That's despicable. Okay, but we're not trying to please the world. Don't be ashamed to please God through obedience and, and make the world despise you through obedience. Okay, and then one more passage, then I'll pray and we'll get out of here. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husband loves your, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Whose body? His body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the one you'll, you'll read, you'll hear read at marriages, at weddings, and it should be, because it's pointing to the main thing, that marriage, it's not about a woman submitting to a man. That's part of it, but it's about the gospel, and it's about God's glory, and you should be acting in a way that reflects God's glory in every part of your life, male or female. But if you are a man, God has created you to act in specific ways that reflect his glory in specific ways, a masculine way. And if you are female, uh, God has made you in a feminine way to reflect his glory in a feminine way. And that's a good thing. We're different. And that's good. All right, I'll pray and then we'll head out. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for uh, showing us uh, what it means to be men and what it means to be women. And Father, I pray that we would, we would all submit to that. We would all submit to your word uh, in, in humble obedience and understand that we, we are not the end of all things. We have, we have, we have roles. We have purposes. And I, Father, I pray that we would, we would enjoy fulfilling those. So love you, Father. I ask this in your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.